0: Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be delving into how to attract a life partner. Soulmate, the perfect person for me, the one I'll settle down with. Living happily ever after. My fairy tale ending. Prince Charming, or Philip, or Eric, or Florian, or Naveen. The one. People use these labels and phrases to try to explain they're looking for a partner. Unfortunately, these terms highlight that the person speaking is not looking for an actual person, or any person at all but the golden ticket, which allows them to let go of their relationship responsibilities. Being with a soulmate means you never have to work at a relationship because you're perfect for each other, and can never make mistakes, and even if you do, all will be immediately forgiven. With a soulmate, your needs are immediately met, even before you have them, right? It's bliss. Same thing with the perfect person or a prince. They take care of everything, and we get to float away to nirvana, where our grapes get peeled. Not so much with princesses, they seem to be fairly needy, but grateful and loving, so... um... Fairy tales end with happily ever after. Settling down with the right person means the struggle is over, and finding the one means never having to be alone again. Sorry to burst your bubble, but reality awaits, and reality is messy, but with the potential for amazing. I love what Dan Savage has to say about the one. Relationships are in part a negotiation. Both parties agreeing to round each other up to the one in good faith and staying together until this no longer works anymore, or, if we're lucky, until we leave this embodiment having lived a good and happy life of roundedness. Trying to find one particular person who's going to solve all our problems and make us forever happy is a dangerous fantasy, because focusing on this mirage... Keeps us from seeing the people around us as they actually are. Looking for a resolution to a problem in the form of a person prevents us from resolving our own issues, retards our growth and becoming, and makes it nearly impossible for us to be good to ourselves or to them. How can we honor and love and support them if we can't even see ourselves clearly, let alone them? How many relationships have failed because we saw the other person through a fairy-tale lens and refused to acknowledge their humanness or that the situation was a toad from the start? So first, to find a person who is right for us, an intimate partner who we're happy to be with, we must know and be honest with ourselves. It's funny how people will work so hard to achieve something, actually do it, and only then realize it's completely wrong for them. Not because they chose wrong, but because they absolutely ignored, misunderstood, or misrepresented things which were absolutely necessary for the success of the project. This is a common occurrence when people are lonely, and they start working to manifest unconditional love. They start praying, or meditating, or manifesting, and in no time at all, they receive the most loving, giving, caring, unconditionally relating pet they have ever had. This is wonderful, but of course it's not what they were intending. They were looking for a partner, and forgot to include the fact that the unconditional love should come packaged in a bipedal non-fixer-upper, single, willing-to-have-a-relationship form. This is what I mean when I talk with people about non-negotiables. There are things that are negotiable in any given situation. For example, in buying a car, the color is usually negotiable. However, the price, availability, and working order are not. Various features will be negotiable. Having inflated non-leaking tires is not. Car salesmen are trained and skilled at confusing what is negotiable and what is not. This is one reason why we don't trust them. They use various social rules against us, confuse us with rebates, percentages, and deals which aren't deals, in order to get us to negotiate what is non-negotiable. In the end, we can drive home with a lemon, a lease which doesn't benefit us, or a car we can't afford if we're not firm on what is and is not on the negotiating table. For some, just figuring out what is non negotiable can be difficult. If we're habituated to self sacrifice, then we don't see our own well being as non negotiable, even though it should be. For others, We know what is non-negotiable, but it takes an act of courage to admit this to ourselves and to say it out loud. The non-negotiables are a boundary which shows others how to treat us and can feel confrontational or selfish. However, if we're to create a happy life, we need to stop negotiating what is in the end non-negotiable. All the time and effort we've spent reconciling, repairing, and reacquiring what is lost when we negotiate these things away could be put to better use in building the life we want to have. Starting any project by stating the actual truth, that some things are non-negotiable, is honoring of the self and for some a revolutionary act. It not only supports us, but becomes a beacon to light the way for others. So shine on. We need to bring our talents, our joys, our intimate selves to the table, not just our needs and our brokenness. Yes, intention is also very important, but we need to be clear about what our true intention is. I can intend to call in a perfect partner and decide to model him after Prince Philip. He's the prince of Sleeping Beauty, and in the original story, all the princes were rapists, so be careful what you wish for, I guess. I can describe the person in detail being very clear about what exactly it is I want. However, if I'm not honest about my intention, If I'm calling him in as a white knight to solve my dilemma of loneliness, rather than wanting to know and honor and love and support him from a position of strength and wholeness and without codependence, then when he comes, if he comes, things will be a mess and twist quickly. I will have called in a role-filler, like an actor, and therefore not see the person, They will not resolve my issues, and create new problems instead of a partner relationship. I tend to use the terms sweetheart or life partner, in part because boyfriend or girlfriend become awkward after the teen years, to refer to someone who we wish to have an intimate relationship with for a prolonged period of time. The relationship could include dating, Living together, marriage or not, depending on the needs and the desires of the couple. One thing I like to point out to my clients is successful relationships are a build your own adventure story, not a page from a coloring book where we choose to draw in or outside the lines. Just because our culture, religion, family, or community thinks a relationship should be structured one way or another doesn't mean it needs to do so. Hence, I like the phrase life partner because it's flexible and means whatever the couple wants it to mean without having to explain themselves to anyone. Besides, it's no one's business but theirs. So how does one call in a life partner? Whether you go seeking them or send out the call to have them find you, I recommend to my clients they look to the symbols of Shakti and Shiva. As archetypes, they have multiple layers of meaning from the Akashic to the sexual. Shiva, in Hinduism, is said to have dreamed the universe into being. Shakti is his wife, the reason why he dreams. They are the perfectly balanced pair with Shiva dancing to the music of the spheres and Shakti being the act of silence in which the notes fall. Shakti is the force which activates all his potential. Without her, he falls into silence and stillness. Shakti is the potent potential which contains everything, the place from whence the universe flows. She is the Mona Lisa smiling from her empowered place of centeredness, as Shiva whirls around her, keeping centered as he whirls in a circle without end. To call in a partner, one has to be one. Love for self generates the capacity to love another. Think of it as one of those silly trust exercises. You grip hands with another person, then both of you plant your feet and lean back. You can lean all the way back, extending your arms to the fullest, and be completely secure as long as you're holding yourself firm and gripping them, and they are doing the same for you. It's not about holding them at the expense of yourself, because if you do, the grip means nothing, and their weight yanks you over on top of them. If you let go, then you both fall back and land on your bum if you're lucky. You need to be fully who you are, leaning back as well as holding on tight. In essence, you need to be truly, fully, honestly who you are so you can call in someone who is the same, someone who is willing to share and to make you a priority in their life. You don't want to be their sole priority because this means they aren't taking care of themselves, therefore you'll have to eventually or you'll refuse, and the relationship fails. Being Shiva and Shakti means being who you are as a soul, walking your path in this world and calling in a partner who likes this about you, which also means they will be on their path and will want you to like this aspect of them. Your two paths need not be the same, in fact, this would be boring and is prone to difficulties because, as humans, we tend to compare, contrast, and lovingly make suggestions for improvement. Being Shakti to his Shiva or Shiva to her Shakti means being equal, being empowered, being more than the sum of your parts, and being the balance one for the other. It means having open communications and boundaries so when things aren't quite right, they can be discussed without fear and corrected or at least negotiated. It means sharing and caring, not giving things away or passive-aggressively doing so to manipulate things your way. It means actually walking your path as much in relationship as in every other aspect of your life. It means seeing the sacred in them as much as yourself, without losing sight of their humanity. It means seeing them and yourself with humor and groundedness and forgiveness and the willingness to try. If you're currently looking for a life partner or are in a relationship which is not quite what you want it to be, try this exercise. Find a quiet space or go to your sacred space. Sit and turn your attention inward to your core, to the golden liquid space at your center, where you're connected with spirit, with the universe and everything in it. Let yourself be filled with peace and contentment, knowing everything is perfect just as it is. Then, when you're ready... Reach out with your knowingness and feel your Shakti or your Shiva, whichever is appropriate for you, and let your consciousness expand. Feel the harmonics which fill you as you attune yourself to the essential nature of your physical form in this embodiment. You are not just female or male, you are the vibration, the energy, the resounding yes. Shiva of Shakti your soul dances to the beating of your own heart to the emanation of your soul in this incarnation feel the peaceful ecstasy of being fully and truly who and what you are then return to your center feeling refreshed and renewed when you're ready Wiggle your fingers and your toes to bring yourself back into the room and your body. Now, when you think about a life partner, don't you want your match to be the equal of that? Well then, call them. Access your Shiva, your Shakti, and call them to the dance. The more you set your intention to meet them, the sooner they'll arrive. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking into how to dismantle the negative legacies our parents build for us. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.